you know, we've got the river, we've got the mountains, we've got, you know, I mean, I live in Cloverland, so I'm literally like five minutes away from the mountains and, you know, can, I'm a hop, skip and a jump from getting huckleberries, you know? (laughs) So, um, and we've got, yeah, like I said, we've got the river. So we've got that kind of recreation, um, you you know, hunting, fishing, um, hiking, (laughs) you know, you name it, we can do it. And, um, and being able to just really take in, and, and this means year round. I mean, I watched the seasons change looking over this valley, um, you know, from winter to spring, you know, through the summer. Starting as a way to put a local farmer's daughter through college, the Clarkston Farmer's Market has been running now for 17 years. Growing from just a couple vendors in a parking lot to the market that now boasts 30 to 40 vendors that's located on the grass on the north end of Beachview Park. Daniel Evans has taken the torch as manager of this yearly event, takes place from June to September, and is doing her best to expand the farmer's market, bringing in new vendors, music, and more. Danielle Evans, thanks for joining us this afternoon, evening. Um, you are the manager of the Clarkston Farmer's Market, is that correct? Yes, that's correct. Very cool. We've, mm-hmm. So how long have you been doing that, Danielle? I have been managing the market for four years. Uh, prior to that, I took over from Leslie Flerschinger, who, was, who also managed it for about four years. Uh, and then she took it over from Doug Ringlei, who was the original, um, up, you know, he started it and, um, that was in 2004 is when he started that. So, um, yeah, I don't know how much you want me to go into the history right now, but, um, that's, that's kind of the management of it anyway, the history of the management. Very cool. Yeah. I didn't realize that, um, it had been going for that long. That's really cool. So yeah. how how did you get involved then? How how did that torch kind of get passed to you? Well, uh, so we have a small farm, my husband and I, in Cloverland, Washington, which, I mean, it's a Soton, but it's a, you know, it used to be a city at one point, um, but uh, it's about 15 miles uh, southwest of a Soton. And um, we've got a, like a small 10 acre farm and we started doing chickens and, um, and eggs. And, um, so I was an egg vendor at the market for a couple of years and, and then I had expressed interest in being involved with the market to Leslie and, you know, anything that she needed help with. And she had a pretty good, um, team, you know, like she had a few people helping her out and stuff. And so you know, I was just kind of going along and then, um, she came up to me and she said, I'm ready to step down. And I know that you were interested in, um, some part of the management of it. And she's like, are you interested in becoming manager? And I said, of course, 
<laughs> so that's how that began. And, um, I, um, I did try to like, okay, I'm going to sell my eggs at the market, but being the manager, it's just kind of too hard to, to <laughs> be a vendor and, and manage at the same time. So, um, I just want to be there to support all of our vendors that are there and, um, it's been great. This year has been rough, which we'll probably get into, but <laughs> well, eggs, that's kind of fun. I've, I've started, I've got, I think, uh, I've got five chickens and a rooster right now. They're bantam. So they're pretty small. Um, actually we had an egg. I swear it was the size of like a quail egg one time and it had no yolk. Hmm. Yeah. Oh Yeah. Uh, but I, so yeah. I have a nice nesting box and a nice house for them, but I've been letting them out in the yard and I'm like, we should be getting more eggs than this. I went out the other day kind of behind the shed and they had burrowed down under some wood and I found 17 eggs yep. that have been there for who knows how long. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. If they find a little place. Um, you got to kind of time it right. And when you let them out so that they learn to use the nesting box and cause we do free range our chickens, but we do have them in a pen so that, they are they go in and nest in the nesting boxes but um they'll still be sneaky and find a little place they think oh i'm not gonna let her get my eggs i'm gonna go try and you know hatch some and we normally don't have a rooster but we've got a rooster right now so it's very likely we could end up with some baby chicks someday so <laughs> <laughs> i've heard of these stories where people all of a sudden their chickens show up with a bunch of chicks <laughs> <laughs> So we'll see what happens, I guess. That'd be quite a surprise. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it would be kind of nice. I, I, it would be kind of fun to do, but I just, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Maybe one of these days we'll try and get delve into that. <laughs> it's not something I really want to do yet. I'm kind of busy. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> I do work full time. 10 acres. Do you guys, uh, do, you, do you guys venture out into anything after chickens? Well, we took on some goats. Uh, last year, which we weren't sure what we, what direction we were going with that. We just thought if nothing else, just like some lawnmowers, you know, we, well, goat's milk um, and cheese, obviously. Yeah. And we, we thought we would go with that. Um, we don't, I don't even know what kind of goats we have. We just kind of were given a bunch of goats. So, I mean, we started with four, or it was supposed to be two that she was, one of them was pregnant and we ended up with four, um, excuse me. Uh, and she, and then a couple of people like, Oh, you're taking goats. And so we just kept getting more goats <laughs> piled upon us. So yeah, we kind of did the goats thing. And then just recently my husband decided to, um, take on doing turkeys and ducks. Actually, we both decided to do that, but then he decided he wanted to do meat chickens as well. So, so we're raising some meat birds as well. And yeah. I told him keep, as long as he puts them. <laughs> how do you keep ducks around? How do you keep them from, from flying away? You got to clip their wings or. No, actually the ducks don't really fly that much. It's um, honestly the turkeys fly, which is kind of crazy because they're huge now. Like mm -hmm. we got them, you know, four months ago or five months ago and they're huge. And um, so I, uh, yeah, the ducks just kind of waddle around and kind of mm. do whatever. And they, yeah, they don't really fly right now so but um i can't and, imagine uh, wrangling a turkey to try to cut its wings <laughs> yeah i i mean 
they're, they kind of, well, one of them's a male, one of them's a female and the male, he kind of comes after you. (laughs) (laughs) He's, he's kind of like, Hey, are you coming to square off with me? Like, it's kind of (laughs) scary. Yeah. They've got big spurs. Yeah. And then he, you know, he puffs way up. So he gets his feathers all, you know, you know how they fan out and everything and they're white. So they're not quite as pretty as like the wild turkeys when they do it, but still pretty impressive. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Well, that's pretty neat that you kind of started out as a vendor and then were just, I guess, super helpful and uh, moved your way up to being manager. Now, is there is there like a group that that helps? Because I know you have some volunteers. My um, I guess sort of a sister. I'll call her my sister in law, Julie uh, Caverne. She helps out. Um, So Bryce is um, my wife's brother. Okay. Um, yeah, they were helping us for most of the market season. Um, I mean, here and there. And, you know, I kind of had them scheduled for like partial days. Um, and um, yeah, her and Bryce, uh, they did, they were really helpful with a lot of, um, as I said, it's been a difficult year. So we hadn't typically had volunteers in the past, but, um, and uh this year with everything that's going on, um, we needed to have kind of some different protocols. We had to set up a perimeter and things like that. So we had to have traffic management and stuff like that. So, um, and then, um, I have another volunteer that she's still with me. She's pretty much been here the whole season and she kind of does the whole day and she's, she's actually been really, yeah, really helpful. And both Julie and my other volunteer, Karen are, on the board they serve on the board as well so we're trying to get a kind of a board established and be a little bit more legit (laughs) so so for those um, for those listening that don't know where you host the the farmer's market where is that at where can people find you and when yeah so we're open on saturdays from june to september eight to noon and we're located at beachview park and beachview is quite a large park so we're actually on the end that's the northernmost end on the corners of Chestnut and Second Street. Okay. So kind of just in behind the high school there. Yep. Yep. Right across from the um, the parking lot there. And um, we we've kind of revamped. So that's a new location for us. As of last year, we were in the Twin River Bank well, the park, the parking lot adjacent to the Twin River Bank. I mean, I, I think at one point it was the Twin River Bank parking lot, and then they expanded and moved into a larger parking lot, and then we've had to expand again. And so we we went over to the park, and um, we were in the parking lot there, which used to be the pool, mm-hmm. um, the pool, and the, it was a pool, and then it turned into a skate park, and then they filled it in, and now it's just a parking lot. But um, and then we've kind of been out onto the grass now. Um, the city would, wanted us to be on the grass rather than the parking lot so we could utilize the parking for customers. So that's been a change this year. Customers weren't used to that. So they were always parking over at the at the high school parking lot, which so now they don't have to walk quite as far. So that's nice. Um, and it opens us up for a little bit more parking even. So we've got, ex, you know, we've got ways to expand our parking so right yeah i've i've been a couple times this year it's it's really nice i like it with all the parking i'm definitely gonna have to go this saturday because i like that you have a vendor that does soap i think you have a couple 
Uh, but you got we some do. soap vendors there, and that's where I've been buying my soap, and I'm almost out of soap. So if I don't go this weekend, Caitlin's going to get mad at me. <laughs> yeah. So I'm going to start smelling. Yeah. We we had a regular vendor that's kind of been our one of, one of our season-long vendors doing soap, um, Janine's Goods. And then we um, add, just added two new vendors that do soap, uh, Luscious Soap Company and... Uh, there's, she's new and I can't, I, I know her name is Krista. Um, and I can't remember her company's name, but, um, she's been with us for a few weeks now. So, uh, yeah. And of course we do crafts and woodwork, um, vendors and we, of course, produce and, 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 um, sometimes prepared food. That's kind of been a little, little, um, iffy for us this year. We, um, obviously there's health department guidelines that, um, need to be followed and some of them didn't quite understand all of the legalities of all of that so right. yeah and i'm sure yeah. it's it's difficult for everybody to kind of meet the new expect expectations and stuff but that's that's great to hear that it's kind of continuing to grow and expand year after year and that you guys have had a problem with uh with growth and and sort of figuring that out that's that's really cool that it's just getting right. bigger and bigger and uh yeah i, I miss the the skate park kind of, I spent a lot of time there when I was a, when I was a little kid. So <laughs> it's kind of weird to see it be a parking lot, but I'm, I'm glad it's being utilized for other community functions. So yeah, how many vendors typically do you have, um, from year to year? Is it, like you said, it's, it's continuing to grow, but like how many did you have this year or how many would you normally have had? Well, so we would normally probably have had between 35 and 40, ideally on a, a fairly regular basis. I mean, maybe 30 to 35 is, is a real solid, you know, number. And then, and that grew from having it about 25, 20 to 25 at our other location, but we expanded up to 35 at some points. And at that point we were at our breaking point and we were like, okay, we're not gonna be able to add any more vendors if we stay at that current location. So we moved and then we were able to like I said, we, I think at some point we bumped up to 42 was our, I believe our max. I keep forgetting to go and actually take that official count, but I, I took it at one point and I was like, I think that was right. Um, 42 was our max last year, um, at, at one point, but we had a total of about close to 50 vendors registered, but they didn't all you know come at the same time. Um, and then this year has been, a lower vendor attendance and it's always worked out that we have never had more than like 23 or 25 at a time, but we do have about 30 registered vendors. So we, we definitely decreased our vendor um, participation for several reasons, but, um, and then just on any given day, it's, it's, you know, one's gone so then another one comes in and it, it's kind of just balanced out it's, it's almost consistently 20 to 22 or 23 so gotcha. cool yeah so how how does somebody go about becoming a vendor if they want to do that how do they get involved uh so the easiest way how we're kind of doing it now we're, we're with a board um with the board establishment we're going to try and get so a little bit different um, ways of getting the the information um, out to people, but uh, the current way is 
people contact me either through Facebook or through email or just at the market. And then I refer them to send an email to our market, um, which is Clarkson farmers market at gmail.com. So it's all one word, all lowercase, make sure that you put the S on farmers market. Um, and, uh, just kind of give me a little brief description about what your product is. And then I'll send the forms digitally. Um, I generally have forms available on site. So when people show up, I can give them one, but I um, keep running out because I don't have people come and get grab one and then I forget to print some more. So I just refer them to the website or I mean, uh, that website, the email address. And then, um, yeah, so there's, you know, some different pricing structures depending on what people are, what their participation level is, weekly, monthly, or, or annually. Um, and then, yeah, we kind of figure out. And we've got different pricing structures for different types of vendors. Ideally, we were going to try and incorporate food trucks this year. And just with everything that's been happening, we, for one, opted to not do that. But we also were kind of instructed to not do that. So... Um, we were also looking at possibly alcohol vendors and we have to go through a different process for that, but we were going to go through that process and get all of that, um, on board. And again, it's happening. It was a little, well, the food trucks would be awesome. And then uh, having alcohol, I know that's something that like Parejas and Spiral Rock, I'm sure they would jump right on board with that. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And I've, I've talked with, of of course I've talked with Spiral Rock because they're one of our vendors, um, Parejas, um, I, I know um, Mark and Rebecca really well. So, um, yeah, we're, I'm not sure if all of them would be willing to do it, but, you know, they might come out for one or two. It's kind of weird because I'm like, our market is from eight to noon. So there's like alcohol in the morning. So maybe we might (laughs) try to do it a little later. Yeah, right. Um, And then, uh, yeah, the food truck, we, we wanted to do like maybe one or two food trucks a week and then just kind of rotate through. So we can kind of get a different variety and mm-hmm. give everybody a chance to to try some different things. So we'll see, hopefully for next year. <laughs> what about uh, what about like workshops and clinics and that kind of thing? Do you guys ever have anybody that comes out and does anything like that? We That was another thing that we were really hoping that we were going to do this year and really kind of to jump on that. Um, we, we work with the master gardeners, um, which is kind of funny because Julie and I both just recently took the master gardeners class together. And, um, so I was hoping that, Oh yeah, her and I will be able to, you know, kind of maybe help out with that booth. And, um, and WSU has been instructed to not have anybody in person. So they were not able to participate and we were hoping that we could get them to do maybe some, kids clinics, you know, like plant, a, plant, you know, plant a seed or, um, you know, some other activities involved with growing and, and gardening. And then, um, we have had in the past, we've had like entertainment, um, music, and then, um, we've had like, uh, a smiles, the clown come out and do like balloons once in a while. And, you know, for a couple hours or something. And, um, and we, we do off, we do have like community groups come in and set up booths. None of them have really done any kind of workshops, but I was looking to see if that like an exchange for them getting a free booth that they would do some sort of educational, um, community, you know, uh, 
educational event or something like that so that, um, you know, kind of a trade-off. They get a free booth to advertise their agency and they can provide a service for our market too. So yeah, this so year is kind of a bummer. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's I guess uh, that's no that's not news to anybody uh, that this year is kind of a bummer. But I know that I went a couple times and uh, Cody Ikes. I know Cody Ikes. He plays music there. Yeah. So does Michael Berry. Yes. Um, the, they're both frequent uh, musicians that play there, and I uh, was bummed that they weren't playing last couple times I've been, uh, for obvious reasons. Yeah. Um, but what I'm hearing is that this event just has so much potential. Mm-hmm. Yes. And if there wasn't this big ball and chain holding us down, that this would be just an absolute day of fun. And it seems right. like 8 to noon just isn't enough time to get it all done. <laughs> Right. Yeah, there's a lot. Yeah, there. it, it does seem like, I mean, last year we were rolling good. I mean, things were, and I was just like, man, this is, next year is going to be really good. And like I said, I was trying to get all of our ducks in a row for adding all these extra services and, and um, vending. And yeah, it just kind of all went down the tubes. But um, I, and yeah, music has been one that people have probably most missed that, you know, they, it, it does create an atmosphere, um, that is missed for sure. And so I, some people wanted me to just like play some music and I'm like, it's not the same thing. (laughs) It's it's not, yeah. You can't really capture the live, you know, just playing. Right. Mm -hmm. So how does that all shake out in terms of like your, your purview, like do you guys kind of do your own thing or do you work underneath city government or, or who, who do you have to, uh, cause you mentioned a board earlier. Who do you have to sort of talk with and, and get everything organized with? Well, so when I took over, um, the previous manager had just registered us as a Washington state nonprofit and I wasn't really aware of what that all meant. And, um, so the, it was kind of just, that was kind of what we are. We're a Washington state nonprofit, but, um, and with that, there's like a board, but it, you know, the board has kind of been a, a work in progress. We've had board members that have kind of been in and out. And so we're trying to get established, like get some real, um, you know, I mean, get some really good bylaws made and, and just to have a really good, um, organization. So, so far it kind of pretty much just been myself and, bouncing ideas off of other people, the previous manager too, like kind of we transitioned. She still helped me a lot the first couple of years. And then, and she kind of slowly faded out. And, um, so I was kind of on my own. Um, but I did work with a few volunteers that just kind of helped be a good sounding board for myself. And then, so yeah, now we've got some board members that are really interested in being part of the, the transition of getting the market up to snuff, you know, getting it really above board as far as making sure we're meeting all of the legalities and, um, you know, regulations and, uh, you know, and get, and making sure that we've got quality, um, output for, you know, for vendors and, and for our community. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. I, I guess when it comes to, a place where people come and buy food products because that's a lot what I buy there also is fruits and vegetables. 
there is some sort of health standard you must have to follow to make sure everything's, you know, okay for the consumers. Right, right. And luckily, produce isn't quite as scrutinized. Um, there is, um, like, the Food Modernization, Modernization Safety Act, FMSA, yeah, um, th- that has... It's like a nationwide thing under the USDA, but that doesn't really apply to any vendors that do like less than 50,000 a year. So that doesn't, I mean, it's, it's might be good for them to have that information, but luckily they, you know, they don't have to meet a lot of those stringent guidelines for the produce. Um, I mean, I think they're worried about once you get into larger scale produce vending or, or growing, you um, might start doing practices that could impact i mean you know we've seen some of these farms where we get our lettuce and they have e coli and um generally on a small scale that's probably not going to happen so um that's probably why they fall under that you know don't fall under that those regulations but um but there there are some things that um you know the the washington state department of agriculture and the department of health have some really good guidelines that help kind of give us some direction about how how business practices should be done and and of course for produce like i said it's a little bit more open but definitely with processed foods like canned foods and baked goods those fall under some of those um regulations oh yeah so if someone wanted to do pies or cupcakes or kimchi Mm -hmm. i bought some kimchi there one year and um yeah and yeah, and and so, so then there's like fermented foods is like a whole other separate thing, and and those fall under a different category, and so you kind of have to, like there's there's like cottage food industry, and you can go through that and get that kind of certific certification, and that applies to a lot of foods, but then like fermented and pickled foods is a whole other category, so you have to get like a commercial kitchen or work with a commercial kitchen. And, and does that fall so, yeah, like on? I said, it's, does that fall on you, or does that fall on the vendor, or is it kind of both? Like who who needs to be um, in charge of making sure about. those rules are being followed? Well, that's and that's kind of been another thing, and that's where we kind of fell through the cracks with some of our vendors. It was I just said you whatever it is that you're selling. You need to make sure that you're checking, you know, county, city, county, state, and national guidelines, right? So, again, produce, most people, you look and produce is like, fine, right? No worries. And then, um, so hopefully I was thinking that if people were making food items, you know, processing food, that they were going to go out and check the correct entities and come to find out they really weren't. (laughs) So um, some of them some of them weren't, some of them were, but maybe didn't really understand what all was required. And they thought that they had it, but they didn't. And, um, so now we're taking a more proactive step about that. Um, we were kind of just like, yeah, make sure that you got your stuff in a row. But ultimately if like the health department comes out and says, Hey, um, do you have your credentials for selling this item? And they don't, and the health department tells them that they can't sell that there anymore. And if they're selling other stuff that's okay, like tie-dye shirts, then they can still sell their tie-dye shirts. They just can't sell the processed food that they were making. So um, so luckily, they don't just like completely shut them down. And they don't completely shut the market down. And they, they do come back to me and say, hey, this is what's going on with this vendor. 
you know, so kind of keep an eye on it. So, so then it kind of does fall on me to make sure that I like, if I observe that they're still selling it, I'm like, you know, you're not supposed to be doing that. So, um, so it kind of puts me in a pickle. (laughs) (laughs) It's pun. Uh, So, (laughs) so are people from outside of Washington able to come sell stuff there? Yes. Um, yeah. And so, Again, there's kind of these weird little things where, so like Idaho, which is where a lot of our produce vendors are actually from. Um, again, because it's produce, they don't have to really meet a lot of regulations. But um, so Idaho has different guidelines for like cottage food industry. So some of them were making like their processed food over there and then bringing it over here. And they're like, well, I don't have to have these certifications over there, certifications, licensing, whatever but they do over here. So they, oh. they need to meet the deadlines over here. So, so there was some confusion about that too. They're like, well, over there, I don't need to have it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, for the most part, um, we don't, um, there's no issue with that. Uh, I mean, obviously like the department of revenue has things that they, yeah, they want you to pay your taxes. So hopefully people are paying their taxes, but, I don't require that. I I don't have any interaction with that. I just tell them, make sure you're doing your stuff. Right. (laughs) Right. So do you have um, an idea of like one of the vendors that's been with uh, the farmer's market in Clarkston the longest? Um, I'm not absolutely sure of the one that's been there the longest thus far, because I, I don't know. Um, the one, I mean, so a current vendor that's been there the longest, I believe is Don gross close with Don's produce. I know that he's been with the market for a long time. Um, another vendor that didn't come this year, um, due to their health concerns, they were probably equally about the same time as Don, but Don came this year and they didn't. So I, I'm not sure if, um, yeah, I, I don't know. It, they may be really close in how long um, they had vended for the market. So, And what vendor was that one? Uh, Victor and Bonnie Gray. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think it's Gray's Farms is what they're, um, they're out of Lapway. Oh, cool. Gotcha. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, so it sounds like there's quite a lot of different... Uh, different things to be to be bought and sold there which is pretty cool um can you talk about some of the other things that people kind of show up to sell regularly that aren't like a food product like i know you mentioned tie-dye shirts one of my favorite is the gem guy there's a guy that brings a ton of like rocks fossils gems stones Hmm. it's neat he's got a huge collection Hmm. yeah yeah and he comes periodically um he's been at our market a lot more this year because a lot of the so you know he calls them shows because he does he does shows but so he'll always call our market a show which is kind of cute but um he um has been at our market a lot more frequently because everything else that he's been doing has been shut down so um i mean he'll go to like whole day weekend ones so the market for him four hours on a saturday is a pretty pretty small showing, you know, when he can go do, you know, an event that's Friday, Saturday and Sunday. And, um, 
so yeah, he comes more often. Um, and then, you know, as I mentioned, we've got a couple new soap vendors. Those are completely new to us this year, but we have, um, like Terry Knox is TK creations. She does beaded jewelry. Uh, we've got Pat Frost who does, um, I think she's, her business is placemat Patty. She does a lot of fabric crafts, placemats and pot holders. Well, I shouldn't even call them pot holders. They're like these little bowl holders that you put a bowl in and you can put it in the microwave. And then when you pull it out, it's got like these kind of these little handles that you just pull it out That's of the genius. microwave so you don't burn your hands. That's awesome. It's pretty neat. Yeah. Um, we've got Cassie Klein has been with us for three or four years and she does like dog toys and she does tie dye also. Um, our other tie dye vendor is, um, Sandy from doll. Um, and trying to think, we've got Woodcrafts from Chris Miller. He's new. Uh, we've got Roy Nunn and we just added another one. Rick Kramer does some Woodcrafts. So sorry, I'm, t- I'm hoping I'm getting everybody. <laughs> well, with, uh, <laughs> sure you know, know, 30 vendors or so, it's, <laughs> there's a lot yeah. of people to remember. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then we have a few that kind of come in and out, just do like maybe a, a month at the beginning or a few months at the end, or, um, we've got, um, we've got our blueberry guy. That's, um, he's very, uh, he's been doing it for quite a few years, but, um, I'm, I'm not sure exactly how many, but he's, yeah, he's got blueberries. He's the only one that brings blueberries, but, um, uh, Gordon Beckner, that's his name. Yeah. And, um, uh, trying to think. Well, did anyone others. fill yeah. your shoes with eggs? Well, I mean, oh. I hope no one filled your shoes with eggs, but did anyone come after you <laughs> selling <laughs> eggs at the market? Uh, yeah, we have a few vendors that do, um, Janine's goods that, um, or Johnine's goods. Um, they do eggs, but they frequently sell out quite early. Um, and then we have a couple other vendors that might bring like a, a few dozen here and there depending on what they've got available. So, um, not anybody who does like eggs just specifically, but, um, cause Johnine's goods, they do, as I mentioned, they do soaps, they do produce. They do a lot of produce this year. Uh, they actually expanded their booth size to a double booth. Um, and they do cards and they do bags and, and she's, kind of dabbles in a little bit of everything so um yeah but she brings quite a few eggs every week and she sells out <laughs> pretty early so is everybody pretty much local within like a 30 mile radius or something or do you get people that come from like let's say montana or like sandpoint or Cortland or something like that um we, everybody is really pretty much from the lc valley i mean we have we have had, we did have an egg vendor from Pomeroy. Actually, she started her own farmer's market this year. And I've been a vendor at her market with my eggs because she wasn't selling her eggs at her market. So, <laughs> um, and uh, so she, and then of course, we, like I said, we've got a few like from the Lapway cul-de-sac area. Um, I don't think we have anybody that's coming like from the Moscow area. We probably might. I don't know that this year we do, but, um, we do try to keep it that it's within, I think a hundred miles. I, I think that's in our documentation somewhere. So we really try to keep it 
pretty close. Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, do you have anybody that does any sort of like honey or bee products of any kind? Yes. I can't believe I completely forgot about Tom Ball. He does um, honey. Yeah. And um, he's our president of our board. Oh, cool. So, yeah. <laughs> like, I, oh. I know that there was another vendor in there that I was like, <laughs> Tom's been with us for, um, I think for four years, maybe is the amount of time that I've been the manager. He may have come a year or two before that. I, no, because we had another honey vendor that she left and then he was and it kind of worked out because she was no longer doing honey. I think something happened to her colonies. And then, um, and I, I don't remember her name cause I, she wasn't vending when I was a manager. And then gotcha. Tom, I think came the year that I was, I was a manager. So but yeah, we've been together for four years. I didn't even think about that. <laughs> yeah. I was just curious because I, I'm super interested in getting into apiary and like learning how to do all of that. So that would be a cool workshop for me if there was ever a beekeeping workshop. Oh, yeah. yeah. And um, Bryce and Julie just, they've started getting stuff from their bees. Oh, do they do bees too? They've okay. just started in the last little bit. I think they're just starting to get some uh, stuff out of their colony. Okay. Yeah. Um, I was just going to say because uh, so we had just a master gardeners meeting today and, uh, you know, they have a bee committee on that. And so that would be something that we could talk with the master gardeners about, you know, their specific committee on bees is coming, get to get, come out and give out some information about a bee workshops and, and whatnot. So, um, cause I do know that they ha- have them this again, this year has been challenging. I don't think that they <laughs> this year, or if they did, they were all online or zoom. So, right. Um, yeah. So you've mentioned master gardeners a couple of times. What, what is that? So the Master Gardeners Program uh, is through Washington State University Extension. Um, it, each county has an extension office. And so each county kind of does their Master Gardener Program uh, specific to their growing area or region. Um, so for Soton County Master Gardeners, it, it's a, I think it's a Soton, Whitman, Garfield and then um, we might even include like the Walla Walla area and they um, so that's a program that so you can become a master gardener you take these classes um, which we were they started in January I think so we started in person and then we ended up having to go to zoom for the rest of them and we'll get we have topics that we go through and um, we have a book that that we that we're learning from you know it's like like a textbook and then on each of those chapters and topics, they'll have um, experts uh, come and give a talk. And so um, typically it was in person, they would do a lecture, you know, we would be like at Walla Walla Community College. And um, and then once you get done, you go through some volunteering hours and every year master gardeners have to put in some volunteer hours to kind of stay current with their master gardening. But then you are a master gardener. So you should be able to answer people's questions. We do plant clinics. Um, I'm actually getting ready to do my plant clinics as an intern next week. So those of us that are new master gardeners, we're interns and we'll intern for, I think two years and then we become full fledged master gardeners. So, um, 
ideally being able to know how to grow. <laughs> right. So, so do you take those skills and, and are you involved at all in like the, I know think, I think there's some community gardens. I know there's one in Lewiston. Uh, yeah, we actually do have a community garden um, with, so I, I asked for some clarification and I don't know if I completely understood it. So I'm, I might not be explaining it very well, but there's a community garden in Clarkston and I, I, there's a joint effort, I believe, with the master gardeners. So they have like a section of that. And then there's other parts of the community garden that are kind of run by other groups or entities or a single entity. I'm not sure. Um, so there's community garden and then master gardeners typically do. Um, there's a couple gardens at a couple of the elementary schools. So at Parkway and Grantham. And then um, Pomeroy also has a garden at their elementary school. And it's mostly like with fourth graders, I believe. Um, that was a program I was really wanting to get involved. But um, right now, that's not something that we're able to do. Um, like we usually come into the classroom, from what I understand, and they're not welcoming anybody outside of, excuse me, the classroom, you know, like outside of teachers and aides and students. Um, so... We're trying to figure out how we can do that. <laughs> and then um, there's other little, there's like a courthouse garden in Asotin that the master gardeners um, manage. And their office, the extension office is in the courthouse. So it's like in the basement down there. So, yeah. Gotcha. So um, if people want to become a master gardener, can, can anybody just do it? Or is there like a certain time when you have to enroll and, and start taking classes and that kind of thing? Yeah. So it's, um, it, it's a two year, it rotates every two years. And I think that's because, like I said, the, the internship kind of goes for two years. So then they kind of get those interns through and then they start a new class. And so like the class was this year, so it won't be offered next year, but then it'll be offered in, 2022 and that you do go through like an application process and, and there's some fees associated with that. There's depending on the different, like there's online modules and then there's, you know, cause you, you go through and do some testing and, and whatnot. And then, um, and then the program itself has some costs um, for, you know, watching the presenters. You can do some of those things without becoming a master gardener Um you just won't be labeled a master gardener. Like you'll, it's just a horticulture class. So, um, so that kind of the key element is you have to do some volunteer hours to be a master gardener, but then you're a master gardener. So you kind of have a little bit more like credential, I guess, sure. um, find your name. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think, like I said, you, you, I think pretty much just anybody can do it, but there is like an application and kind of a background check and things like that. So, so they do kind of scrutinize who it is that is is going through the program. Just because you might be working with children or, you know, you're working with the public. So they want to make sure that you're not a sociopath or something. So Right. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And uh, so going back to the, to the farmer's market, what was the name of the gentleman that you said had started it in, what was that, 2004? 2004. 2004. Doug oh, 2004. Okay. Doug Oh, yeah, 2004. Yeah, so we're in our 17th year. Um, is that right? 
16, 17, I mean, 16. Well, six, well, it'd be 2004 it started, and then, yeah. We can do that math later. Yeah. Uh. I know. I'm like, <laughs> because I was thinking, I kept thinking that, like, last year, I'm like, oh, it's our 15th year. And I'm like, well, actually, it's our 16th year. So, um, because we were, yeah, because we started in 2004. That was our first year. So then, anyway, so um, he started it. He started it as a... Um, loan farmer trying to raise some funds for his um, daughter to go to college. And I think at some point decided to start maybe recruiting a few more people to come and help sell. Oh, he, and he started on the corner of fifth and diagonal. So kind of just down the street from where the last location was, it was on fifth street there, but fifth and diagonal, he just had his little table set up out there. And then, um, the following year, I think, is when they moved up to Twin River Bank. Um, and he got into doing um, SNAP EBT benefits. And there's a farmer's market nutrition program that is um, kind of two-pronged. It's from USDA. It's for seniors. And on the other side, which is the Washington state department of health is through the WIC program. So there are these like little checks that, um, those people qualify for, and then they can pick them up at the different agencies that they are, um, distributed at. And so he got signed up for that program and that's specifically for farmers markets and it's specifically for produce. That's really cool. Um, with the exception. Yeah. So the senior program, the only exception is that they can buy honey, but the WIC program you can't. But, um, and yeah, so he went and then he, you know, they got a, I say they, I think him and Leslie kind of worked on getting like a square set up. So now we run credit and debit. So we pretty much can take any form of tender. Um, yeah, just. <laughs> That's good to know because a lot of times it's cash only. Right. Yeah, so if any vendor that doesn't offer Square, which some of them, we've got quite a few of them that do, um, but if any of them don't, they can just send them up to the market manager and I can run, you know, credit debit. And then this year, we actually, um, the Department of Health rolled out a SNAP market match program. So any um, SNAP EBT benefits that a customer utilizes and runs, um, through our, um, our EBT machine, they will match that hundred percent, um, with them. It's so it's, they match the dollar amount hundred percent. So it won't be in EBT dollars. It's in the snap market match, which is good for produce only. So they could buy like say honey with their EBT and say they run it for $15. They buy a pint or a quart or whatever. I, I, I don't know how much he sells, you know, but and say they buy $15 worth of honey or, and then they would also get $15 to spend on produce. So they would essentially get $30 worth of money to spend at the market um, by only running their card for like 15, but it's dollar for dollar. So they could run it for two. They could run it for 20. They can run it for, we had one run hers for 65 <laughs> and wow, she got $65 really to spend. Yeah. That's very that's cool. cool. So you see that yeah. that getting utilized pretty often then? Well, we were hoping to see it more often the earlier this year, but um, the Department of Health has been really backlogged with their ability to get all of the um, all of the 
information out to people. And we were hoping that we were going to get some brochures, but they just like were delayed in the printing and, and sending them out and stuff. So they literally just sent out a bunch of information to people in the mail. And so we saw a huge increase of people using their snap market match um, benefits. So I, yeah, like I said, I wish it would have come a little earlier in the season that would probably would have made some of our vendors a little happier <laughs> to, you know, cause our sales have been, um, a little low this year. So, um, that would have helped. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, it's neat that it started just from a, a guy who was trying to raise money for his kid's college. That's yeah, really, that's, cool. yeah. that's a really fun yeah. way to start it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's, um, I mean, unfortunately he's now since passed away, he actually passed away last fall. But, um, and I met him like one time or whatever. And I, 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 you know, I really wished I would have kind of gotten to know him a little bit better and, you know, picked his brain a little more about the history of the market. Um, but so I've kind of gotten this passed on (laughs) from other people from Leslie mostly, but, um, yeah, so, uh, it's a fascinating story. Yeah, it definitely sounds like it. And it's, it's cool that we have that here in the Valley. Um, you know, so 2020, it's kind of a wash. Oh, I did the math. 17th year for sure. 17th year. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but you know, you had all these kind of cool grand visions of what was going to be for this year. What do you see for 2021 provided that the world is still intact? <laughs> yeah. So um, we, again, yeah, we're, we're hoping to, to try and incorporate um, like I said, the food trucks and, and maybe look into some alcohol sales. Um, you know, there's, like I said, there's some caveats to all of that and, and, you know, we'll hopefully get some more volunteers that would be able to help facilitate that a little better. And then, um, where can people yeah, reach out to you to volunteer if they want to, if they want to get involved and in, uh, what are the stipulations on that? Uh, well, um, we, ha- I kind of just, you know, I, I did like a call for volunteers earlier this season and, I had quite a few people respond, but I didn't get very many people that actually kind of put that into action. And maybe it was some of the policies that we were, you know, saying we were going to have to do because a lot of it was like, like I said, um, traffic management. But um, so kind of the easiest way most people were messaging me on Facebook, messaging the market on Facebook. Um, But we so, yeah, you can just go to the Facebook page. It's um, facebook.com forward slash farmers market. Um, there's not to be confused with, I think it's the Clarkson area farmer's market in Michigan. People get the two of us confused. So I actually had a vendor sign up to, and send me her registration form and I didn't look at it very closely. And luckily she didn't send me any money. She's like, I'll be out there Saturday. And then she messaged me Saturday morning and said, I'm in Michigan. I'm not going to make it. (laughs) uh, That was kind of. And I was like, well, that was bad on me for not looking at her registration form. But then my registration form also says Clarkson, Washington. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, so, yeah. And then, um, of course, just emailing to at our Clarkson Farmers Market at gmail.com email. So yeah. is the best way. We also have a phone number. People want to call that. It just goes, it's a Google voice number. So it, we'll just go to voicemail generally. And then I'll call them back when I'm, you know, when it's convenient, but. Um, and that's on our Facebook page. Nice. 
And so we were kind of talking before, uh, you said that your parents were from the Valley, uh, but you were born in California. When did you move back here? Oh, I was quite young. I was three, I think. My sister is two and a half years younger than me, and I know she was still very young. And, um, yeah, so when my, my dad was in the military for, you know, like four years and, and yeah, so right after he got out, we moved back home and I think, I think my mom actually moved back up here. He was, um, of course his was kind of during Vietnam. So he was, um, in Guam at the time for, um, a short bit. And then, yeah, I think, I'm not sure if she came up here permanently or came, went back down to California and then they all moved back up when he got done. But so, yeah, so pretty much from the age three on, I've lived here in the Valley. So in and around. <laughs> there you go. Um, so what are, you know, we were, we kind of covered this before, so it's not as organic as it could be um, before we started recording, <laughs> but what are some of your favorite things about uh, living in the area? I know you're in Cloverland, but um, that's, that counts. Um, well, uh, yeah, as I was kind of explaining, I, I used to think the valley was kind of just, it's just the valley. It's just dreary. And I, you know, used to really not think that much of it. And as I started to travel and go in and out of the valley more for different work endeavors, I would observe the landscape. I would like come down the Lewiston Hill, for instance, um, I mean, no longer the old spiral highway, but, <laughs> you know, kind of a s still similar vantage points. Right. So, um, and I just realized how impressive this area is in, um, it's landscaping and how much different types of activity and, um, you know, we've got the river, we've got the mountains, we've got, you know, I mean, I live in Cloverland, so I'm literally like five minutes away from the mountains and, you know, can, I'm a hop, skip and a jump from getting huckleberries, you know? <laughs> so, um, and we've got, yeah, like I said, we've got the river. So we've got that kind of recreation, um, you know, hunting, fishing, um, hiking, <laughs> you know, you name it, we can do it. And, um, and being able to just really take in, and, and this means year round. I mean, I watched the seasons change looking over this valley, um, you know, from winter to spring, you know, through the summer. Summer's probably my least favorite time for multiple reasons. I think that this valley probably isn't its prettiest in the summertime, but. It is if you um, like browns some, and blues. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, the, the, at least the river's got the charm, you know, you know, you look at it and go, well, that looks refreshing. So, um, <laughs> But, uh, yeah, I just have really come to enjoy, um, it's beauty. It's just really, and I, I was also explaining earlier, like I used to talk to people that were from the area out of the area and they'd be like, this is such a beautiful place. And I was like, why do you think that? <laughs> it's like, I don't, I don't see it. And now I do. So I, um, it, it's definitely, um, a special place. Very good. Yeah, and we've kind of uh, come to that realization ourselves here, and that's that's sort of the whole you know point of the show is to celebrate those things and connect with people that sure. kind of feel the same about it. So that's really cool. Yeah. 
Awesome. Well, one last thing we like to let, ask our guests is, uh, is there any music you've been listening to lately that you've been enjoying? I know, uh, especially during COVID, a lot of people have been getting into music. It's kind of helping everybody get through. Uh, are there any bands or songs you've been really getting into lately? You know, it's really unfortunate. I have been listening to a lot of podcasts at work and I realized I've kind of shut myself off from the music world and I love music and I um, I used to be a concert goer. I mean, I'm just completely Do you have a favorite bummed, concert but, that you've been to? Uh, well, <laughs> ironically, it was the last concert that I went to, which was earlier this year, right before everything shut down. I went to Tool in Spokane. Oh, and it fun. was phenomenal. Yeah, that was probably my most favorite that I've ever been to. So, who opened for them? Uh, is that when Explosions I, in the Sky played? I what's think, that? Did Explosions in the Sky play that? Because I think they toured with Tool and came to Spokane a few times, but I can't remember. They're an I instrumental don't band. Think, yeah, I don't think they were. And I'm trying to remember because. We, we may have gotten there a little late, too. It was kind of a blur at the beginning. Just it, Yeah, I think... I don't remember. I don't even know if there was anybody that was opening with them. Yeah, I'm really either. bummed that I missed them. Um, they were... It was like three or four years... No, it was longer ago than that. Um, they were... Um, in, they were in Nampa, Idaho, and they were also in the Gorge like one one like the gorge in one night and then nampa at the next uh the next night and the crystal method opened for them and i was like are you kidding me i missed tool and the crystal method <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> that was a real bummer for me because i that would have been great to see at the gorge yeah 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 i just anyway so that's that's probably my most Dang it, I missed that. <laughs> um, except for growing up, like not really being into concerts that much when I was, I mean, I loved rock music. I love, I love, I mean, I mo love most music, but rock is really kind of my heart. And um, thinking back now, the opportunities I could have had to go see some really cool concerts and regretfully not been able to see those artists at all, ever, now, because <laughs> right. they're gone. Right. So. Huh. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for talking with us, Danielle. Uh, it was it was great to have you and to uh, learn about the farmers market. So, farmers market. This is coming out Friday. So, go to the farmers market tomorrow if you're listening to this on Friday. I'm gonna go load up on uh, fruit or veggies and soap, so I won't be smelly and uh, I'll be nice and healthy. And I hope to see you guys there. Thank you. Cool. Thanks, Danielle. Thanks, everyone, for listening. This episode of the show is brought to you by our Patreon subscribers. Thank you so much to all of you for supporting the show. If you would like to become a Patreon subscriber, head over to patreon.com slash oldspiralpodcast. That's going to do it for this week, but the shows are not over. Get caught up on the backlog of episodes if you haven't already, and thanks for listening.